0: Hope and charity, or, or love, in Latin caritas, or amor, have been looked at by Christians as being central to the Christian life, really from early on, and they supplement the other virtues as well. Anselm is going to have a treatment of these, very close to the end of the monologia, in which he brings them together. He doesn't tell us quite so much about hope, he's already told us quite a bit about love. Now we're very interested in what he does have to say about hope but especially much more about what he has to say about faith and what Anselm tells us First, in Monologian chapter 75, which is a very short chapter, is that the human being is unable to engage in the striving that comes out of naturally loving and desiring God to the degree that one ought to if it despairs, if it, if it thinks that it's not possible for it, if it has an affective orientation towards that of attaining God. So it needs the opposite of despair, which is hope. And, you know, that's pretty much all that he has to say about it at that point. He does tell us plenty of other things about hope in many other places in his works. Where it gets very interesting is his discussions about faith or fides. Now, before we go into this, when people use this word faith, they're often using it in a, you might say, equivocal sense or perhaps an analogical sense. And Anselm is tuned to this. He's very interested in making sure that when we use words in more than one way, we are cognizant of the fact that we're doing that. Faith or fides, you know, if we're talking about Christian faith, it has been used in multiple ways. One way is to talk about, you know, what we might call the doctrinal, the propositional content really what's been explored through the rest of the monologian. You know, the fact that God is, is a, a trinity, that God is justice itself. Those are things that you can say and a person can of course understand them, but a person can also have faith. They can credere, they can believe in them. And those are not incompatible with each other, sorry. Some people do think that they're not compatible with each other, but they are both compatible. And Anselm's whole approach is to try to take what is known by faith or believed in by faith, and then see if you can come to some, you know, fuller rational exposition or understanding of it. So that sounds as if faith is really sort of within the realm of epistemology. It has to do with believing in things and propositions that could either be true or false, and perhaps we just accept them rather than looking for proof or things like that. Anselm doesn't think that faith is just that. That's only a component of faith. Faith also, this is what would be needed in order to talk about faith as being anything like a virtue. Faith has to be an orientation of the person. And so Anselm is going to talk here about the relationship between faith and hope and love. He says, you cannot actually love or hope for what you don't believe. So the question then is, well, what do we mean by believe? It's clear that love and hope are intrinsically connected with believing something. And we've already seen that Anselm has said that unless you understand or remember something, you can't actually love it. This is sort of along the same lines, although we're going to see there's more to it than that. Same thing with hope. If you don't actually believe anything, you can't have hope in anything either. So what would be the thing that we believe in? It would be the supreme essence and the nature of the supreme essence and its relations with created being. And these are very, you know, abstract. And then, you know, of course, we can sort of filter down to much more particular statements about it. And Anselm says that believing in the supreme essence doesn't just mean knowing some things about it or believing that certain things are true. It's an orientation of the person. He calls this a striving, a tendere in Latin. So, credere and tendere are connected with each other. And he uses a lot of propositional discussions here. that are the, the subtleties are sometimes lost as we move it into English. But let's see what he actually has to say. He says, I think the same thing can be signified fittingly and more briefly if one says believe in, he's using the Latin word in, Towards, really, the divine essence, the supreme essence, instead of by believing to strive for in the supreme essence. For if someone says that he believes in him, he seems to make it quite clear both that he strives towards or onto odd in latin the supreme essence through the faith that he professes and that he believes those things that pertain to this striving for someone who do, believes what does not pertain to striving for that is in him or who does not strive onto him in virtue of what he believes does not appear to believe in him and is saying how do you know if somebody believes something they do something It's not just they say something or they have something in mind. It is going to orient their decision making. It is going to orient their life in some. So, striving towards the divine mind. I mean, if you really think that God is the supreme good, then presumably, and you think that you know we can actually be connected with God, and that thinking about God is a way of connecting, maybe you would think about God quite often, right? That would be one way in which we could talk about it. It does also include this component, like he says, about believing in the things that are pertaining to this striving. So, if God tells us, for example, through Revelation, that we're supposed to treat each other well in certain ways and he gives us some fairly specific instructions like say in the sermon on the mount, or in various other passages, well, presumably, that would be something that one would believe is true, and one would believe that one ought to act that way, but then you would actually have to act that way. You would have to do it. There's there's a huge difference there, and this is why the distinction that he makes a little bit later in chapter 78 is so important. Again, it's not something that Anselm himself came up with. Paul, actually, in his letters, talks about dead faith and, and living faith. Faith. Anselm is just picking up on this and reinterpreting it in light of what he's talking about. So what differentiates living faith from dead faith? Or you might say faith in just propositions and faith as something that includes a striving. He says, with what, however great a certainty so great a thing is believed, faith will be useless and like something dead unless through love. It is strong and alive. So now notice, you can't have love unless you have hope. You can't have love or hope unless you have faith. But you can't really have faith unless you also have love. He doesn't talk about the connection between hope and faith as well, but presumably there'd be something there. So there's this interconnection between them. So he says, through love it is strong and alive. A faith that is accompanied and attended by love will by no means be idle when it has the opportunity to act, when one can make a choice. Instead, it will exert itself to act quite frequently, which it could not do without love. We're talking about the orientation towards the supreme essence, towards the divine being, towards the ultimate good. You don't just recognize it as the ultimate good. If you really do believe that it's the ultimate good, you love it. And that means not just sort of having a standoffish, oh, I love you from afar. You want to get as close to that divine being as you possibly can. You want to be in communication with it. You want to be connected with it. If it's justice, you want to be connected with justice. If it's goodness, you want to be connected with goodness, and so on and so forth, right? So Anselm goes on and he says, one who loves the supreme justice cannot disdain anything just cannot turn against justice, or tolerate anything unjust. So he says, therefore, since whatever acts shows that it is life without which it could not act, it's not absurd to say an active faith is a living faith, since it has the life of love without which it would not act. A faith that's idle, on the other hand, is not living. He says it lacks the life of love with which it would not be idle. So he goes on and he says, a faith that through love is recognized as living, a faith that through disdain is idle, is proved to be dead. If you have read the, you know, the scriptures inside and out, and you can trot them out whenever you want with proof texts for every occasion, and you actually believe what you're saying, but you don't do anything, and you don't have that love animating you, Anselm says that's dead faith. That's not going to do anything. It's interesting that you got this repository up in your head and, and you have an attitude towards it. But the real test of whether you do, in fact, believe in it is whether you follow it, whether you do it, whether you use it as your sort of ladder to reach the divine. So this is a really key distinction. When we talk about faith, hope, and charity, then, what we're talking about is living faith, that is faith that is animated by love. We're talking about love that is made possible in part because of the existence of hope and faith. And we're talking about hope as the opposite of despair. So this is what Anselm thinks the rational creature ought to have. Special thanks to all of my Patreon supporters for making this podcast possible. You can find me on Twitter at Philosopher70, on YouTube at the Gregory B. Sadler channel, and on Facebook on the Gregory B. Sadler page. Once again, to support my work, go to patreon.com slash saddler. Above all, keep studying these great philosophical works.